Fed Talks is a podcast for theater teachers and theater education students. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Chrisman, theater education professor at Illinois State University. Each week I bring you stories and interviews from experienced K-12 theater teachers, current theater education majors, professors of theater education, and teaching artists that will warm your heart, renew your faith in teaching, and provide resources to better your practice in your theater classroom. So grab your coffee or glass of wine, plug in your headphones, or turn up your car stereo, and relax. Thanks for joining me for these heartwarming conversations and practical advice from other theater teachers on the front lines making a difference in their students' lives each and every day. I am excited to welcome to this episode of Fed Talks, Dina Cassidy, who teaches in Kankakee, Illinois. Um, I am very excited to talk with her about her experiences and journey, and I'm just going to put it out there from the beginning that we have a common student. She sent me uh, one of my current senior theater ed majors, and um, shout out to Kate. Um, But uh, I'm just excited to talk with you because I have heard so much about you over the last uh, three and a half years now, and can't wait to just hear your story. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So I'd love to hear your your story, just kind of your journey from like where it all began to where we are now. Sure. Um, I uh, I grew up a theater kid. I think like like most theater teachers, one of those high school theater kids where it's all that mattered, um, and I kind of got into that because my mom was the um, rehearsal accompanist for the high school shows when I was growing up. So I got dragged to a lot of rehearsals uh, because I was too young to stay at home or or things of that nature. So I remember when I was in like seventh or eighth grade sitting in the auditorium while she was playing piano rehearsal Pirates of Panzans. And I was watching going, next year I'll be in high school. I want to do that. So I did. And then um, my whole life I wanted to be a teacher. I guess I just never knew being a theater teacher was a thing uh, when I was growing up because I didn't have a theater program in my school. We had, we just had a club. We had an after school. We did a play and a musical every year, but there were no classes being offered. So I went ahead and majored in musical theater performance, kind of not even realizing that I could merge my two interests of being a teacher and and um, and then also doing theater simultaneously. I, I didn't really know that was an option. So I, I majored in musical theater performance, uh, upstate New York at SUNY Cortland. Uh, and I did that for a while and was acting for a while. And then um, always kind of found myself back in these like uh, camp situations where I was, where I was a slur or, you know, a director for, for camps for kids. And I was like, I really like this. And then I found a master's program in theater ed in New York. I went to CUNY um, City, the City College of New York, and got my master's in theater education and kind of uh, switched gears when I was about 27. And then I, uh, I started teaching uh, in New York where I lived uh, in a, a K building. So theater K through five, my first year of teaching. And I realized very quickly that I don't like teaching elementary school. And I think that's okay to sit back and go, nope, this isn't, this isn't for me. Um, and then uh, we were, we were kind of, we were kind of done with New York, my husband and I, we didn't want to be there anymore. So we wanted to be with family and my husband's family is from Ancona, Streeter, Illinois. So I said, all right, I'll, I'll look for jobs in Illinois. And if I find one, we'll go. So here we are. 
so I, I'd love to hear a little bit more about um, your, 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 your school theater experiences. I know you, you went to the rehearsals with mom, um, but I would love to hear um, once you, you got to the high school and you were performing, uh, what, was, uh, what was that like? And, and tell us a little bit about your teacher uh, or director at that time. Yeah, um, my teacher was Mr. Signorelli in North Babylon High School, uh, North Babylon, New York. Uh, he was my middle school choir teacher, and then he went to directed the shows after school. By the time I school, he was already someone I knew pretty well and felt comfortable with because I had choir every day. Um, he nominated me and a couple of other eighth graders to sing with the high school choir one semester. I guess they did that ever. Um, I guess I didn't realize at the time that it was a special thing, you know, looking back, I'm like, oh, that was probably a special thing. Um, so I, I, uh, I really wanted shows. Um, I didn't really do the play, the straight play in the fall until my junior year, because I was also on the tennis team. I wanted to sports as well. I, I, I do not want to sports as well. But at the time, <laughs> I thought I did. Um, as, as Kate would tell you, I, we don't sports ball. I don't know how to sports ball. But um, so, you know, I, I did a couple of years of, of, of playing tennis in the fall and doing the spring musical. And then my last two years, I did both the fall play and the spring musical. And it just like every year, every school year, it became more and more like important to me. It wasn't just this club, I was like, I want this to, I want to do this forever. I just, every year, and I had a bit of resistance from my parents. Not terrible. I mean, they, they still let me go to college for musical theater. Like, I, if they were having serious doubts about it, they didn't push them on me. Uh, I was still able to go do that, which is great. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was all I listened to was musical theater. And, and it was just, I was just your very typical high school theater kid. It's like all I cared about. And growing up in New York, I was in North Babylon. We're talking about a 45 minute train ride to New York City. So I got to see all these original way casts, not even realizing because I was so young, like the greatness that I would see. <laughs> I saw Audra McDonald and Ragtime. Like I had no idea what a big deal that was because when I was in high school, we didn't have Facebook and TikTok and all that stuff to have access to these celebrities. You know, so I didn't even know they were celebrities. Like I would, I didn't even know I was seeing like these bright gods, you know? So I got, I got very lucky. I was able to do all these shows growing up was just made my love for the stronger. That's awesome. That's really fun. And so then you, you were, you, you studied musical theater performance and eventually got your master's in theater education. Um, what, uh, I'd love to know what from your musical theater training and experiences, um, what you brought into teaching and, and how, how all of that influenced what you do now. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, I, we're, we're all, you know, grown ups in the field. We're not like baby teachers anymore. We're not like just coming out of school. You can really sit back and go, okay, these are the things I'm good at. Uh, I know I'm good at these few things. Uh, I'm not so great at these things. I need to work on that. But one of the things that I feel like I'm good at because of my musical theater training was just kind of training, training actors uh, to just, you know, memorizing scripts and giving blocking, but really getting into these like deep conversations about uh, characters making three dimensional characters and 
uh, various acting techniques and approaches that they can that students can take to characters and I don't remember having any of those conversations in high school it was it was very um and I loved my experience but it was it, we were putting up a show and I don't think I was necessarily learning the various ways one can approach a character at that time so I try to bring a ton of that into the classroom and do different methodologies and techniques and things of that nature. Um, I also wrote a musical theater class for my school after a few years after the program grew, um, which, you know, a lot of people who consider themselves just a straight actor, the idea of teaching musical theater would be very daunting to them. Um, but because my background is in musical theater, I was like, let's do it. And I'll teach them how to tap dance and we'll sing and dance. And so we, you know, we create a theater class as well, which I don't know that I would have been able to do had I not had all that training in musical theater. I think I would have been very lost. Um, so I've, it's been able, I've been able to give my kids more opportunities because of that original training that I've had. That's awesome. I, we, at ISU, we, we've started a musical theater concentration in our acting major. Um, and awesome. the one thing that I love about it, and this is no shade to to BFA musical theater programs or other musical theater majors, but I love that our focus is on the acting, and and mm-hmm. because I think it's important. Acting is is acting, and you know, yeah, having that emotional connection to a character and and having your character tell that story through a song or through a dance, it's still acting, and I, I appreciate right. you sharing that, and I I just wanted to 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 make that connection with with what we what we're doing at ISU. So after you got your master's, you, you got into the elementary classroom and realized that was not for you. And oh, no, ma'am, no, sir. <laughs> it takes a special kind of person to do elementary school. Um, and, I, you know, Kate will tell you and many of my students would, would uh, concur that sarcasm is my favorite classroom management tool. And that, that doesn't work with K-5. It just doesn't. <laughs> I'm not good at the cutesy wootsy. It's just not who I am. And I, and I think it's okay for, for young teachers to, to really, they're figuring out who they are, uh, accept that, you know, there are some people that like love junior high, God bless them. And that's what they want to do. Now I do seven through 12. So I've learned to love junior high, but I had to learn. Um, and so, yeah, so I started and only, only did that for a year. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's hard. Like it's so hard. It's hard work. And I have talked with lots of elementary theater teachers uh, for this season. And I just have, every time I talk to one, I have an even greater appreciation for what they do. I love working with the yes, little ones. Yes, they're awesome people. <laughs> yeah, I love working with the little ones. I couldn't do it full time. I couldn't do it for 180 days of no. a school year. Um, Absolutely not. Yeah, but but doing shows that brings feeder, feeder schools into your high school and then the little kids join and then like the whole next generation of theater is born. Like it's gorgeous and beautiful and I love it, but 180 days a year, I can't do it. Yeah. Can't. <laughs> well, tell us yeah. a little bit about your, your program at Kankakee. So 10th year there, um, I teach theater, uh, not, excuse me, um, seventh through 12th. So I spend the majority of my day in the high school and I do two periods a day in the junior high. Um, so I have, uh, seventh and eighth graders at the junior high. My classes are, uh, combined grade level. So they're both in intro classes. And if a student decides to take it again, their grade year, I try really hard to have those kids that already did it the year before in a separate class so we can kind of move on and, and get to level. 
And then at the high school, I teach one section of intro to theater, two sections of advanced theater, and then one section of musical theater. And then I, I also direct the fall play and the spring musical as well. And when I um, applied for this job, I don't know Illinois. I still don't even know Illinois well. I, I kind of, my husband's from here. I'm not, so I'm learning. And uh, I asked my husband, I said, do you know Key? He's like, yeah, it's like an hour from where I grew up. And I was like, all right, I'll apply. I mean, that's really all it was. And when I came in, I guess uh, the principal at the time said he needed someone to fix, quote, a broken program. They had an excellent teacher for like 20 something years. He was amazing and, and very loved in the community. And then when he moved on and became a school administrator, they had a couple of teachers for four years in between us that, um, I guess made a mess of things. I don't know. I wasn't there. So when I came in, um, I had all these grand plans because they told me there was an intro class and a class at the time. So I was writing curriculum over the summer. And when I got there, I quickly realized that the quote unquote advanced kids weren't ready for the stuff that I wrote because they didn't have any like intro kind of background skills. Um, so kind of everyone was on intro that year. I had to kind of toss my plans and and be flexible, which is really hard when you're new <laughs> to be flexible. And, and so, yeah, so now it's, it's, it's so much bigger. We had, you know, I we went from having casts of like 15 to like 65 when we did hairspray. And so, yeah, it's, it, there's been a lot of changes to the program the past 10 years, which is really fun to watch it grow and evolve and things like that. Well, you mentioned a little bit ago that you, you you wrote the curriculum for your musical theater class. I've seen lots of posts on Facebook um, in the last little bit in different theater teacher groups of what does your curriculum look like for this? What 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 do you have to have yeah. in it? Um, can you tell us a little bit about what what that process was like for you and the things that you had to have in that class when you wrote that? For me, what I had to have, what was important to me was a performance, a culminating performance at the end. Um, and I think that of all of my levels of theater. So one of the things that I focus on every single class is some kind of performance, um, which can be tricky because you don't always have kids in your class who chose that class, which was something I had. Well, I thought elective meant someone elected it, but not necessarily. Sometimes it's just they had room in their schedule or they didn't know what it was going to be or whatever. Um, but my musical theater class, I wasn't worried about that because one, I wrote it, I wrote the proposal that they had to have like instructor approval to take it. So you have to have already complete intro to theater and advanced and been successful. Been a, a Broadway star? No. I had an A plus? No. But someone who's willing to try things. That was basically all my theory was. I show up, I, I rehearse when I say I'm going to, and I'm willing to try what you asked me to try. So because I knew that I wasn't going to have any resistance of, of kids getting on stage and doing things, I wanted it to be a performance class. So it was really important for me to kids to learn um, their vocal type. I think lots of student actors uh, are interested in parts that they physiologically just can't do. Um, there are parts that I will never play because I am an alto. I am a true alto. So there are parts that are I never am going to get to do because I can't sing them. Um, so it's important to me to teach them about vocal type, um, a little bit about character type, but not shoving people in a box with body type necessarily, but, uh, you know, acting type and, and, and things of that nature. Um, 
And I went to teach them a lot about the audition process and how you cut music and how you find your monologues and uh, choosing music appropriate for the show you're auditioning, uh, things like that. Because I've noticed in the 10 years that I've been there that these are not things that people know necessarily. Uh, the first year I was at Kinkakee for the musical, I told them to bring 16 bars of a musical theater number and a one minute monologue. And I thought it was the most common thing ever. And lots and lots and lots of kids were struggling because they didn't know what that meant and they didn't know how to find it. So we eventually just said, pick one of, you know, we would cut songs from the shows and just say, pick one, because I think the stress of choosing those songs was making people not audition sometimes. Uh, so audition prep and then just some very basic, because I'm not, uh, I'm a functional dancer. I'm not a dancer dancer. So some, some very basic dancing um, intro to ballet theaters and some tap. Um, and ultimately the goal is a, like a student directed uh, Broadway review or a student directed like MTI junior show. As long as we have the people that are the right ages for that. Um, something that could be done in front of an audience. That's the, the ultimate goal. Um, it's a one-year class, but it's semester. We do a, a sh a some kind of performance in December and then again in May. So it's kind of like a kind of like a semester class if you think about it that way. You start fresh when the semester starts for a new performance. And you do from the show prep you sent me from what you just shared. It sounds like you you do the you do in class productions, correct? I do. I do an in class production with every class, which I did not do at first. Um, I the first three, four, maybe three, four years, maybe three, we did showcases. Um, that was kind of something that was bestowed on me that our theater director had done. And it was, you know, a hodgepodge of scenes or monologues or student written commercials or student written, um, you know, uh, Greek fairy tale adaptation or fairy tales adapted to Greek theater, things like that. And I found it really hard to manage. I found everybody being in these small groups. If my intro class is like kids and there's all these scenes going on in this very small room, uh, it was just a little too chaotic for me. And I didn't feel like there was enough buy-in from the kids. So I started doing one acts in uh, published one X in all of my classes to kind of get a little more buy-in from the kids, which has its own challenges, finding grips with the correct amount of people and flexible casting and all that kind of stuff. But I have found the classes to be more meaningful when we have a production that we're working on. I, I loved doing those. I thought, uh, and I, in probably the last five or six years of my teaching, uh, when I was still teaching high school, um, I shifted all of my um, intro classes to to having a, a big ensemble one act at the end of the semester. Yep. Um, and they were terrified to do it. But when they were done, the pride in their eyes and mm -hmm. the conversations that Especially we Especially the junior after. high kids that are so scared. Oh, yeah. awesome. And then the, Sorry to interrupt you. No, no, you're too. fine. The the conversations that we had after of how all the things that we had talked to leading up to the production clicked in their minds and in their heads of how that all fits together. And, you know, I, they weren't the greatest productions by by any stretch of the imagination, no, but it was fine. about the process. And I love watching exactly. them grow through that. And then my program grew. 
because they got excited yes. about it and wanted to do more. So I, I appreciate yeah. you doing that. Yeah, very, very similar, similar thoughts on that. I feel like the things that I say and that I preach and that I, 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 uh, I teach and the things that we try to do, even if they're doing them along the way, they don't click until after the one act the day after act, then that stuff makes sense to them and they can actually relate to it. And it's not just something I'm talking about. And, and at the high school, I don't do this so much at the junior high because my junior high is incredibly old and my lighting, my lighting's literally from like 1964. I have to use a two by four to turn on my four levers to turn on lights. Um, but at the high school, we have a brand new like state of the art just three years ago auditorium. So I break up my classes into committees. Like you guys are the set committee and you're the costume committee and you're the props committee. So when they're not rehearsing on stage, because it's not, we're not working on the page that they're in, they're actively still working on the show. They're creating the program, they're making the poster. They So now they get to dabble in all of the various jobs one can have in theater that isn't an actor. Because there's more jobs offstage than there are on. And there's lots and lots of kids who really love theater and really want this to be a part of their life forever, but they don't want to be an actor. Well, there's other things that you can do. And although I can't train you how to do these things professionally, I can I can get your interest and go from there. Yeah. Well, you mentioned a little bit ago about um, partnering with, with elementary schools and, and working with, with your theater students. Talk a little bit more about what you do with that and, and how that's impacted yeah. your program. So the things I like to do uh, is break up basics and kind of um, ha- have students work on those alone before asking them to combine them. So especially an intro student. So we might work on physical expression first. Maybe we'll do pantomime, things like that. Move on to vocal expression. So I might either have them write a video show or uh, record an audio book or like that where they're just focused on voice and they have to worry about anybody looking at them and they're just practicing those vocal skills. Then I ask them to combine them. This is all before we do a show, right? Because we're talking about people who've never before. So some of the ways that I have them combine them are bringing things on the road. Like we're going on tour to the elementary schools because your audience when they're four and five and six are just so happy to be watching something. Don't need to worry about peers their own age judging them or um, an audience else thinking that they aren't good or something, not that they would, but I think that's what they think will happen when they're in seventh and eighth grade. So I have them write puppet shows and then they make puppets and they have to practice all the different puppet voices. And then we go across the street to the elementary school and we perform them for kindergartners who think anything you do is magical. And just experience alone of being in front of a live audience, but not on stage in front of hundreds of people with lights in your eyes, um, starts to make them feel more confident and more comfortable. So we've done, um, Puppet shows uh, during the pandemic, I had them record audiobooks and we sent them to the elementary school, just reading a book and showing the pages, but having them use voices and animation and diction and working on rate action and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and just them knowing that I was sending them to another school children to watch made my turn in ratio much higher. It wasn't just for me to watch in my basement. These were for kids and that mattered to so they worked harder. And um, then another thing that we're, the, what we're going to do in musical theater this year 
is I got from our superintendent to like per, funding from our superintendent to um, get an MTI or a Broadway junior show. And I'm going to have them do everything from the ground up. They're going to produce it. They're going to do it. They're going to costume it. They're going to make the props set everything. And then we're going to invite the elementary school kids to come see it for matinees, um, which we already do for the musical as long as the musical isn't too grown up. Um, and I think the inclusion of those younger integration of that um, makes those kids want when they're older. And so I think it really does impact the program. They remember seeing those shows when they were little, especially when they come to the spring musical matinee when they're in fifth and sixth grade and then they could take the class in seventh grade. It's always my favorite day of the year, the, the matinee day. I'm like, well, a thousand kids are coming today. And almost every single kid in the cast was one of those thousand kids four years before. Uh, so I, I just think it, it, it matters. I think it, it gives uh, the younger kids, it shows them what they're going to be able to do when they're older. And for the, the newest actors, those seventh and eighth graders, those intro students, it gives them a, a small, safe audience where they can perform kind of without fear. And it, and it raises the stakes of their performance too, um, and they're gonna they're gonna turn in better quality work, and they're gonna turn in the work, right? Um, yep. And uh, yep. I, I loved when we did I, I did elementary and middle school shows as well for um, like our big musical. We would invite the community, or if we had a children's per, a, you know a theater for youth piece, we would in, invite them in. And I loved having that you know that thousand twelve hundred kids sitting in the auditorium just energy like through the roof excited to watch what we were about to do and then eventually my time at the last high school I taught at there were the students who came to those were in my program and they couldn't yes. wait until we did those school shows so I I, yes. I totally understand what you're talking about with all that well I also think it it, it opens a door that is not that is not always open like I, I work in a title one school these kids are not going to Chicago to see Broadway in Chicago they're not always often a lot of them uh, the majority of them are not even seeing our community shows right um theater is ex accessible to a certain extent like it's available but that doesn't make it accessible right go. so these these are opportunities that make it accessible to everybody and i just bring them to you know i bring the shows to them or i bring them to the shows and and then they have the opportunity it's zero cost it's just and um yeah it's fun it's special that's awesome that's awesome. Well, you just mentioned about community theaters. Are you still involved? Do you still get to feed your artists inside as well? I do. I know I got really lucky when we decided to move here. Um, when I went to the certification office, because I had a, a New York certification and night certification, and I needed to find out if there was reciprocity with Illinois and what I had to do in the office. And when I was filling out paperwork and and things of that nature. Uh, the lady helping me, Miss Paula Sutter, she is she was the president of community theater at the time. Uh, so when I was, she was getting me my paperwork. She goes, "Are you an actor too?" And I said, "Yes, ma'am." And then she goes, "Are you need more men? Is your husband an actor too?" I said, "He is." Um, so I kind of like even before we moved here, because that was May of that year, and I moved mid August. I, I knew that there was a theater in town. And so we were able to like look online and see the kind of stuff that they do. And um, the the concept of community theater was new to me. I didn't have a, there was like not community theater or at least not that I knew of where I grew up. So I only did shows at school. 
So yeah, we, um, we work with Kinky Valley Theater Association and do shows, both my husband and I, Acting Out Theater Company, which is an outdoor theater in town. Um, I've, uh, I've directed for both, I've acted for both. Um, I've actually been very lucky. I've gotten to portray a couple of my like bucket list roles um, with these two theaters, roles that I never thought in a million years uh, would be at my door. I was able to play Mrs. Lovett uh, in Sweeney Todd, which is like, I think I've wanted to be this since I was five. Um, and I, uh, I got to be Miss uh, Madame Tenardier and Les Mis and Ursula in The Little Mermaid. So these roles that were always in my brain as things I wanted to do, and I never thought I'd have access to them. And they were like in my community, like so lucky. So yeah, we still, I'm not as active as I used to be because two little ones, um, but in the summertime, and the time is, it tends to be when I'm more free. So uh, yeah, my husband's a music man right now with them. And yeah, we're very lucky to have so much theater in town. That's great. Well, with all that you are involved in with your school, with your your work uh, at the community theaters, and I know, I know you're involved in the, the state professional organizations as mm -hmm. well, how do you find that work-life balance? That's a great question and something I've been working on. I, um, I've had students like been like, when do you sleep? <laughs> um, like, yeah, when do I sleep? So, you know, I didn't make that that shift and 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 make sure that I had a work life balance until I had kids. I'll be perfectly honest. I worked far too much. I put in far too many hours. I got to work at six in the, in the morning. I was the last car out in at night. And um, yes, there were some gains from that, like for my program. Um, but it's it's entirely necessary anymore. And I think it's because I'm 11 years in. I have a tremendous amount of lesson plans ready to go. And I remember what worked in and I can use my improv skills to, to fix things on the fly um, where I didn't have that that ability. My first, I'd say, three years of teaching, I was I was into the 12 hour Sunday lesson planning days. Um, so definitely I recycle my former lesson plans and just make adjustments. Um, this year I am leaving my computer at work. Um, now I could say that till I'm blue in the face. I have a computer, like I can't access work. Um, but I'm tr trying really, really hard to utilize my plan period and actually get work done during my plan period. Um, and, and like that at a good time and being sure that the entire weekend is not schoolwork. Um, and the, the other thing that I'm, this is new for me this year, this school year, I, um, we have like a white, a white whiteboard in the kitchen that outlines the week. And this week I've scheduled, um, every day, like one whole task a day. So like, I'm going to do the dark load of laundry on Monday. I am going to clean the kids' bathroom on Tuesday. And I'm doing that instead of spending the entire weekend cleaning and doing schoolwork. So it's just one care task a day, 20 minutes, is so much better than spending the entire weekend working, be it schoolwork or homework. It's still work. Um, and instead, it's spending time with my kids and going for walks and swimming in the pool. And and I, this is working for me. Um, so I, I'm going to see how long I can keep this up and see if I can make that work for me. But I, I definitely think um, 
utilizing the work week time as much and so that the weekend is really recharged time. Um, especially for new teachers who are, are when they're new, they, everything takes longer because you're new at it. Um, really making sure you give yourself time to reach, go to work with an empty cup. You can't, you can't do your That's work. Right. I had a recent graduate who, um, is starting his first year of teaching now. Um, and after his first week, I, I just sent him a text and I was like, Hey, just want to check in, see how that first week went. And he was like, it was great. I am so exhausted, like an exhaustion I have never felt in my life. And I know I have lesson planning to do this weekend. So I know it's a full weekend. And I wrote him back. I said, it's a weekend. You need to take some time for you as well. Because if you're not recharged going back on Monday, that exhaustion you're feeling right now is nothing. (laughs) So it'll never go away. It'll never. Right. With the exception of those two weeks leading into a show. Like I have no answer for that. You're just going to be tired. Right. But, uh, <laughs> the rest of the year you have to find the balance you do. Yeah. Well, in your, in the, the show material that you sent me ahead of time, you talked about, um, uh, theater field trips. Um, and that is one thing I love doing. Um, and I know, how much prep and how much work goes into those. Uh, So talk to me about your experience with those. You know, that's another thing I think I've just gotten better at as I have been teaching more. Um, When I, I I try to bring the students on a Broadway and Chicago trip every semester. Um, And it's tricky. There are things that people don't think about. And that is the idea of having to have all the ticket money up front. Right. Uh, because Broadway in Chicago doesn't care. They pay for the tickets, right? There's no plan from Broadway in Chicago. So um, I I figured out what works best for me. My school has uh, activity accounts. So it's a bank account. I don't have access to it. I have the bookkeeper and, you know, fill out paperwork. But um, so my musical has an account, has an account. And so if I'm just about to start the musical, I will use the fall play account for the spring trip until the kids pay back the ticket money. Um, so I'll write the check from the fall play account to pay for all kids. And then I'll put the students on a payment plan because again, availability and acceptance are two different things. So if a ticket is $60 for some people, $60 is a lot of money. And depending on how far away my next paycheck is, $60 is a lot of money. Right? So, um, but, but three payments of $20 is much more feasible for, for families. So I do plans with kids that basically the, 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 the shirt I have will, will front the ticket money. The tickets will be paid in full. They'll be in my safe, in my office or my home or whatever. And then kids will pay over the course of three months. I do the same thing with theater fest, theater fest, uh, Illinois state theater festival ends up being about a hundred dollars between the hotel and the lunch cards and the registration. And that's fine. It's a three days of, of awesome stuff. But that's at one time. So I, I set them, you know, I gave up, gave out the paperwork like last week and it's like $60 a month for the next three months, which is just much easier for families. Um, I set up fundraisers. I try to find the ones that are individual. Like if sometimes kids are like, listen, I am too busy. I'm not selling popcorn. I'm not selling candles. My mom is just writing a check and that's fine. Right. That's up to you and your family. But some families uh, really need those fundraisers. Uh, so I find ones that are individual. You know, the student gets 50% of, of the profits or things like that so they could pay for their trip. Um, 
Yeah, I, I think a lot of it is just like the financial planning, making financial decisions that really help families so that they don't have to say no to these opportunities, right? The bottom line is I want kids to be able to go see live theater, live professional theater and go on educational theater field trips. Um, and in order to do that, I have to do some of the work up front to, to make those you know, financial things easier. But again, the more I do it, it it's like really easy now. The, the three, I grossly overestimated how many people wanted to see shows. Like my first, my first year there, my very first semester, I think it was in goes and I'm a theater person. So I would think all kids theater class are going to want to see this, right? All hundred students wrong. So I, I bought like 85 tickets and I like, couldn't give them away. And so I really learned, okay, I only need one bus and maybe 40 tickets <laughs> and, you know, just took time to, to know my community and know my school and know my kids. Um, they're dying to go to another show because we didn't, you know, everything got canceled the past year and a half. So we'll see what happens. Well, I, I would love to know, um, like what you just shared, knowing your kids, knowing your community, um, knowing what you know about your students and your community and your school. Um, what, what do you see as the greatest need in your kids right now? And what can we do as theater teachers to help support them with that? I'll speak mostly on the kids in my department because I don't have a whole lot of, I mean, I can, I can access any kid in the school, but the ones I spend the most time with are obviously the fine arts kids. And I think mostly what kids need right now is, is just to find their people, people who will accept them no matter who they are, what they wear, um, gender identity, like any of that stuff. Um, and I think that's also why, students are attracted to fine arts, right? Not just theater, but, but fine arts in general. So finding a place of existence and a safe place where they can be who they are. And the number one thing the past few years that have really helped my students feel like they are with their people is just the simple first day of school for class when we're in a circle before we do a warm-up is say hey real quick guys we're gonna say our name and our pronoun and just go in a circle and say that so I'll say hey I'm Mrs. Cassidy she her and then everyone does that and like I think ultimately what happens is our is our who who are trans or non-binary they automatically feel accepted because we even brought that up in a, in a sensitive, accepting way. I've had kids send me emails saying so much, no one's ever done that. So I really, I, I really think just the idea that don't assume that everyone in your room is a he, her, and don't assume that everyone in your room is, um, is comfortable with those things and just kind of making sure that everyone in the room knows that you are gonna accept them no matter what. And for some people that might be hard or some schools are maybe more conservative. I'm not in a, a particularly conservative school, so I don't worry about that. Um, I've, I've only, I've been in this school for 10 of my 11 years. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable and I would, I would definitely um, uh, do that choice. Like if, if anyone questioned me, um, but definitely setting up a safe space where kids feel accepted. And you can't just say, this is a safe space and you're accepted. You have to do things that show them that they are accepted. Mm -hmm. 
you can't just you can't just say it you right, know right um and those little ways and another thing that i've done um i do what i just mentioned with my advanced class because i know those kids much better i've had them for six years with an intro class of people i've never met i just send out a google form mm-hmm. only i am going to see this um what is your name as it appears on my roster uh what is your preferred name what are your pronouns can i use this name and these pronouns in your parents you know can i use this name and your pronouns in front of the other students just in a google form and i think that just opens the door to communication that way well and for for a student who is struggling with that and struggling with that identity and figuring out what that is for that person just the fact that a teacher cared enough to even ask them that, um, that, that makes a huge difference. Yeah. And it's a privilege that, you know, you and I have, like, I don't have to worry about it because I, uh, people know, and I've never had to, I've never had to say to someone that I am, I am something else. Like, you know, it's just, it's not a, it's nothing that I've considered before. I've had a bunch of students that, have all these different um, struggles and challenges. And I feel like it's my, as their teacher in this theater safe space to, for, for you not to feel like you need to struggle here, that you can just be exactly who you are and that'd be fine. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I think it helps a lot to yeah. make people feel more comfortable. I, I agree. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, what is, I'd love to hear one of your favorite story, one or two of your favorite stories from your career so far. Um, it could be those funny stories, those horror stories, those touching moments, yeah. anything at all. <laughs> um, okay, so a few years ago, maybe three now, yeah, two or three, I was going over different aspect, like different kinds of theater. And I think we were talking about epic theater at Brecht. And I had different groups. Uh, this particular group, I think, had and, and Brecht, and they had to present their style of theater to... Um, class in a creative way they couldn't just stand there and say what well, you know so one of the premises in epic theater is that uh of course i'm sure you know that you know the actors use masks so that the audience is fully aware that they're a show and it's not not supposed to be realistic and so one of the students i found out after i am friends with her mother on facebook i'm not friends with any students on facebook but because i'm friends with her mother she had access to my Facebook, like through her mom. And so I didn't know this was going to happen, but in the middle of their um, presentation, they put on masks and the masks were giant printouts of my children's faces. (laughs) So they went on my Facebook, found pictures of my babies and then put them on masks and turned around and like put them on. And then when they turned, I laughed so hard. I was crying. I I mean, like they didn't tell me they were all in on it. And then uh, a a few weeks later, we're in the theater. That was we were in a classroom at the time while we were waiting for construction to be done. And we were in the theater, and they're all like giggling. And I was like, "All right, all right, guys, what did you what did you do? Like you did something." And they're like, "No, I'm like, what what's going on?" They're like, "Look up." So I look up. I have, I don't see anything. They're like, "No, look at the projector." So on each side of the projector on my catwalk is those are those masks. Like they taped them to the catwalk so that my kids or everyone can see my kids from the stage, but no one can see them from the audience. And they're like, I don't care how if you don't work here anymore. Like your kids' faces are a permanent fixture of this theater. 
That's fantastic. Which just cracks me up. <laughs> and it's this, yeah, it's so funny. And the same group of kids just last year, they were being complete wackadoodles on stage in a rehearsal. And I just yelled, you guys are so weird. And one of my students turned around. They're like, whatever, you raised us. I was like, fair enough, I did <laughs> I'm very close with that group. I mean, they're juniors now and I've had them since they were 12 years old. They've had theater every year since seventh grade. So sometimes with those groups, there's a little more shenanigans, but it's like the really fun. Oh yeah. We're a family kind of reminders that, that on bad days, I'm like, Oh yeah, that happened. And, and that was great. And I am, you know, they love me and I love them. And on hard days, you remember those stories. Cause it really was, it was very just, funny and and well-intentioned and sweet yeah that's fantastic i love that i love that so much (laughs) well my last two questions are the ones that i ask everyone uh the first one is what is a resource that you are currently using or have used that is a must-have for theater teachers um the must resource for me i sadly did not find it till about two years ago is drama teacher academy everybody should have a Drama Teacher Academy account. Those 12 hour lesson planning days, my first three years of teacher teaching would not have happened at Drama Teacher Academy. There's complete units and, um, you know, units of study and detailed plans and resources. And it's amazing. And you can take those lessons and adapt them how you see fit for your kids and add to them or take away, but like rooms are there, or you could just do them exactly as they're written. I have learned so much uh, from Drama Teacher Academy. I cannot recommend it more. It is worth every single penny. And um, it's it's really affordable. It's, I think it's $37 a month. You know, your school district can pay for the year. And, and mine has this past year. I said, I've been paying for this for two years. They're like, oh my God, we'll pay for it. You should have asked. Um, which I, I didn't even know that was a thing. But I, I anytime I'm like not sure how to coach a topic or teach something want to introduce them to something new i go there and it's there um i mean every time i love it that's a great resource thank you thank you thank you and my final question is what are your parting words of wisdom for new teachers entering this field or that veteran teacher just needing an encouraging word right now um i i think you need to think of your program you do a production when you start a production you have your read through on day one and then your closing performance and the growth that happens between the read through and that closing performance. I mean, you can't even, you can't even quantify it. Right. Um, But you can't walk into your first day of teaching in a new school, especially if you're building a new program and expect it to be that final performance uh, caliber at the very beginning, that same kind of to happen. And every time, you're at your best, it'll grow more. It'll grow more and it'll grow more. Like the things that we're doing wouldn't have dreamed done 10 years ago. And that is growth that has happened for me as a teacher with my students, with my school district. It's not a Dina thing. It's all of us kind of uh, kind of together. So um, programs do not grow overnight. You have got to give yourself time to grow. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, Dina. I have loved talking with you today, and I wish you all the best with this school year and the rest of the school year coming up for you. And I hope you get to have some of those fantastic moments with your kids this year. Um, Hopefully we'll be staying in school to be able to do that. Thank you so, so much. Have a great semester. Thank you. 
And that is a wrap for this episode of Fed Talks. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. Tune in next week for the next one. We have so many great teachers coming up and so many that have already been with us. So if you are not already subscribed to the podcast, go on your favorite podcast provider, subscribe to us, rate us, leave us five stars, review us. More importantly, share the podcast with those theater educators in your life who you think could benefit from what we're doing here on the show. Visit our website, www.fedtalks.com for the pages for all the teachers who have been on our show. Email me at fedtalkspodcast at gmail.com. If you have an idea for a future guest on the show or suggestions or topics that you'd like to have on the show, email me. I love interacting with you on there and I always follow up. Follow us on all of the social media that's out there. We are out there on Twitter at Theater Ed Talks. On Facebook, we have a Fed Talks page and Instagram Fed Talks Podcast. Once again, our website is www.fedtalks.com. Thank you, teachers, for all that you do. Thank you for listening. Continue to be the lights that you are and changing all those lives. I appreciate you. Take care.